Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Um, so today we're, I'm going to talk about um, Mark chapter 11. But before I do that, um, I'm going to um, just share a story with you. Um, now I've asked my husband his permission to share this story so he won't mind um, but um, we've been together for uh, I think about 16 years and um, he's absolutely amazing in that you know if I need something from the shop he's always willing to to go and buy whatever I need and it took me a little while to work out that every time he would go he would actually ring me. And I think one time there was, you know, I had something like butter on the list and he's ringing me, he's saying, oh, I just need to know, do you want the 250 gram butter or the 500 gram butter? And I'm thinking, pick the one we normally have in the fridge, the 500 gram butter, that's fine, you know? Anyway, next time off he'd go, I'd get a phone call or a text message, same thing, you know, oh, I can't find the yoghurt that we need, it's not here. And so I'm thinking, oh, it's in the top right-hand corner, that's where it usually is. He says, oh, no, it's not here. Oh, hang on a minute, I found it. And so there was this pattern, you know, where um, every time he'd go with his list and he'd he'd give me a ring or or he'd message, Um, even up until, sorry, couple of days ago. Um, it's our sons, one of our sons, we've got uh, five children. It's one of their um, birthdays today. Um, he's eight. And I said, I've got everything. I've got the presents. Um, the one thing I don't have is a birthday card. Can you please go a- and get a birthday card while you're at Big W? And I thought, yep, that's fine. And of course, I got a phone call and I'm thinking, what could he possibly, <laughs> it's a birthday card. He says, oh, well, there's so many birthday cards here. I know he likes Minecraft, but they don't have a Minecraft one. And I thought, oh, well, do they have one with a number eight? You know, he's turning eight. He says, oh, yes, yes, there's, sorry. <laughs> um, yes, yes, you know, there's a number eight. I said, you know what? Grab a few birthday cards, grab three, we've got birthday parties coming, we can, you know, choose one and we can give it, you know, give another, give the other two away or whatever. And that's what he did. Anyway, so I was chatting to my neighbour about it and um, she says, well, I had this conversation with her previously, but she says that her husband does the same thing. And she says that her husband, <laughs> her husband, what he started to do was that he doesn't ring anymore. And he doesn't message. But he actually buys one of everything and brings it home. And he says he prefers to actually return what she didn't want. So I thought, wow, okay, it's not just my husband, but I think it might be a trend, you know. And then I was scrolling on Facebook one day and I saw this pop up. So I thought, you know... There's a bit of a trend here, you know. And when I stopped to think about it, you know, I thought, wow, this is, this is good, you know, that, you know, 
they like checking in and, you know, making sure they get it right, you know. And it made me realise, you know, how is our relationship with God, you know? Do we check in, you know? Do we constantly come to him and, and, and find out and ask, you know, is this what you want me to do, you know? What's your will? What do you want? And making sure that we're doing, you know, the right thing. And that will lead me into uh, Mark chapter 11. So, you know, when we make a decision, do we consult God first, you know, or do we just do our own thing? Um, but yeah, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark chapter 11. And I just wanted to add, with Bibles, you know, I know when I first became a Christian, everybody would bring their actual book, you know, their Bible to church, you know. And I know in here I've got highlighted bits and I've got annotations and all that sort of thing. And I know in the last little while I've gotten into the trap of actually just bringing my phone. I just thought, oh, this is easy, you know. But I really feel there's something that's lost, you know, when we just bring our phone. But when we bring our Bible that we actually read at home and spend time with God, um, you know, in his word, I really feel that, you know, there is something lost when we just bring our phones. And I do it too, but I just wanted to share that with you. Um, because I think, you know, I'm going to get into the habit of going back to the, you know, good old ways and bring our Bibles to church. So, um, if we can look at Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 1. So, we've got the triumphal entry. I'll start reading. So, uh, this is uh, Jesus um, with his disciples, and he says, Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it, and if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. In this passage, Jesus asks the disciples to do something, and they obey, they do it. They quite happily go and do as, as he asks. They're focused on Jesus and they obey his command. Jesus also asks for a colt, which is like a, a baby donkey, we could say, in which no one has sat. So here we have a baby donkey in which no one has sat uh, we can assume that perhaps there could be something wrong with it. No one's sat on it before. Maybe nobody's wanted to. Um, Jesus didn't choose to ride a big, magnificent horse, but rather something small. And the fact that the scripture says that nobody has sat on it, we can also assume that perhaps this donkey was, um, this small donkey, there was something wrong with it. You know, maybe it was broken in some way. Um, and it makes me realise that, you know, Jesus wants us. You know, we too are broken and he wants to use us in the same way that he specifically chose um, this, this specific cult to, to sit on. And it's not that, you know, there's anything special about us or anything like that, but in the same way that, that this small cult was, um, this cult was... was 
perhaps broken. We too are broken. We too need Jesus. And he can use us no matter, no matter, our, no matter what our situation is. Um, and I also like the fact that, um, you know, when Jesus commands the disciples to do this, um, that it happens smoothly, you know. And so when the Lord asks us to do something and because it's in his will, it just happens. He makes a way, he makes the opportunity for that to happen and to come to pass. And if we read on, um, it actually says, so they went their way, they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. So I've just realised, is this a different... Oh. Um, sorry, just quickly, because I'm reading... Have we got different... Phoebe? Have we got the new... King... I'm reading from New King James. <laughs> um, Phoebe, on the PowerPoint, my original one, I should have the correct version on it. I don't know if you can perhaps bring it up, otherwise we're going to be, you know, words sometimes are a bit different. I'll keep reading. Anyway, so then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, our father David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And here in this passage, we see what I feel is the heart of true worship. The disciples are questioned by others, you know, what are you doing, you know, but they just do as Jesus commands. They don't get caught up in, you know, answering questions and thinking, oh, hang on a minute, maybe there's a bit of doubt there. They actually just do as Jesus asked. And not only that, but they give up clothes, you know, and, you know, clothes were, you know, clothes back then weren't clothes like we have now, you know, we have an abundance, um, you know. They, they cost, you know, they were quite, you know, um, you know, expensive, I guess, back in those days um, for what they had. And they just lay down their clothes for Jesus, you know, they lay it on the colt for Jesus to sit on and out on the ground. And then they praised his name, you know, and saying Hosanna, which is an expression of, you know, it's like adoration and praise and joy um, for Jesus, and we see this example where all worship and glory is given to God. Um, and this makes me think of, um, this is going back to when I was a baby Christian. I will be quite clear with that. I was a baby Christian and I remember going to a concert. And it was a Kylie concert. And I remember being there, uh, I can't even remember where it was, but... Um, I remember being there and everybody going crazy, you know, hands raised and shouting and, you know, just in awe of this singer that's on stage. And because I was a new Christian, you know, this was all new to me, but it made me realise, wow, you know, how, you know, that they're so excited and they're so, um, 
you know, almost like worshipping this singer that's on stage. And I just think, gosh, as a Christian, how much more should we be like that, you know, towards our Father in heaven, you know? Um, so I just wanted to share that, just an example of worship that at the start of, the, um, at the start of this chapter, they really have that heart of worship and worshipping Jesus and, um, and how much we should also have that heart of worship. So I'll just continue. I'm um, not sure if we've got the, the version up, but I'm going to keep, keep um, speaking anyway. So after this, there's this, there's this short moment of scripture where Jesus then after this, he goes into the temple and he has a look around And he has a look around at all things. We know that he looks at all things, not some things, not this bit over here or that bit over there, but he looks at everything in that temple. And then he leaves. Oh, here we go. Yay, New King James Version. (laughs) Um, So he looks at all things. Um, And it's such a short scripture, but um, I feel that it's so important that, you know, Jesus wants to see the people of God and what they were doing. And in order to to do that, he had to look at all areas. And the temple must have looked good from the outside for Jesus to then come in and go, okay, well, it looks good. Let me check it out. This is a house of worship. Let me go in and have a look, you know. And it's a little bit like a, you know, like a rent inspection um, for anyone that's renting or for, you know, if you know somebody who's renting where, you know, the landlord comes in or whoever comes in and they want to have a look around and it's not like they're going to look at one room, they want to look through the whole house and they want to see what's broken as well, you know, what needs fixing. So I just want you to hold that thought because I am going to come back to it later. Um, And this particular... um, this particular um, scripture, actually, um, we expand on it a bit later when I when we talk about the the actual temple bit. Sorry, in my head, I'm I'm, I'm getting all ahead of myself, but <laughs> just going to keep going with the next bit. So the fig tree withered. So after this, we're now on the next day. So Jesus has looked in the temple had a quick look, and now we approach um, the withered fig tree. Now, the next day they had come out from Bethany. He was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, "'Let no one eat fruit from you ever again.'" And his disciples heard it. Now, I have a picture of um, what this must have looked like. So, we have a a fig tree there. And you can see from a distance, it looks good. It looks pretty good. Jesus is um, coming closer to it. He goes closer to it. Um, And the leaves are an indication that there must be fruit on this fig tree. So he comes closer to it, but then as he, as he gets closer to it, he actually realises that there's no fruit. So it has this outward appearance of it looking good, but as he comes closer to it, it's actually no good. Okay, this fig tree's no good, there's no fruit, it's not bearing fruit. 
And, you know, it reminds me of, um, you know, sometimes we, we know people or we have friends um, or maybe in the past, maybe not so much now, but we've probably all come across somebody who, you know, on the exterior, they look good, you know, they're a nice person. Um, we, we think, you know, I guess from afar that, that they're a good person and they're nice and they look good and, you know, we think that they're great. But as we get to know them and we realise that, hang on a minute, their, their facade, their appearance is actually different to what's on the inside for whatever reason that may be. Um, or it's like, you know, if we compare it to actual fruit itself, like, you know, say, for example, an avocado, you know, who here likes eating avocados? I like avocados and they're quite cheap at the moment, which is good. Um, but, you know, how annoying is it when we get an avocado and it's a nice-looking avocado and we're about to put it, you know, cut it up and put it on our salad and we go to open it and inside it's all rotten, you know? Um, and so I feel like this is a comparison to the fig tree, you know, where the outward appearance, it looked good, but inside it wasn't quite as good as we thought it would, well, as he thought it would be. Um, I guess it's a bit like false advertising as well, you know, where you expect something, but it, it sort of doesn't, you know, deliver the goods, you know. Um, and Jesus made a passing comment, you know, let no one eat from you ever again. And I feel like Jesus was just simply stating um, that something that looks good on the outside but isn't bearing fruit um, on the inside, then technically it's no good. So nobody's actually ever going to eat from that again. And it also makes me wonder, you know, what kind of fig tree are we? You know, do we have leaves that are, that are and we're also bearing fruit? Or do we just have leaves and on the inside maybe we have, um, we have sin or we have hurt or we have grief or we have things that are holding us back from that true worship that we saw at the start of this chapter. Um, and again, I'm going to get you to hold that thought. Um, I find with this chapter everything, there's so much in this chapter but it's all linked and so I'm going to go from the fig tree to the temple, back to the fig tree. But anyway, hopefully you can follow on. So now um, we're going to move on from this particular um, passage, which is the fig tree. And we're going to move on to Jesus cleansing the temple. So they came to Jerusalem. And then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the, sorry, through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, full of all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. So, an example of a temple. Earlier in the chapter, we are told 
that Jesus went into the temple and had a look around at all things, you know. And so now Jesus returns to the temple and a bit like a rent inspection comes back and there's a reaction. So Jesus clearly isn't happy with what's going on inside the temple. And if you look at the way the temple was built, you can see that there were lots of different sections. Um, and only certain people could enter certain sections. When I look at it, um, it reminds me of like a maze, you know. It was huge, and it meant that there was opportunity for people to hide in various parts. People that were selling, people that were charging uh, temple tax. Jesus wasn't happy. He goes in and removes those things that he isn't happy with. He removes the sin that is taking place. These people were not putting God first and they certainly weren't worshipping God how they should have been. The temple was not a place of worship. Perhaps from afar, the temple looked okay, a bit like the fig tree that we saw earlier. But on the inside, it was actually no good. It reminds me, um, going back last week uh, with Mark chapter 10 and the rich young ruler and how we have a man who, um, who does the right thing, you know, and on the exterior, he, he's, he's ticking the boxes, he seems to be doing the right thing. And he goes to Jesus and he says, uh, Jesus, you know, I've obeyed all, of your com- um, I've obeyed all the commandments Um, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says to him, looks at his heart and says, because knowing that he's a rich, you know, somebody who's rich, has a lot of money and possessions, Jesus actually says to him, go and sell, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and then you will inherit the kingdom of God. And the man walked away quite disheartened because he had a lot of, you know, a lot of possessions. And I like to link it to, to this bit here in that Jesus is concerned with all areas, you know, and like with this rich young man, he looked pretty good, he was ticking most of the boxes, but there was still one that there was a concern about. And Jesus is concerned with all areas, not just one room, not just one area in our life, but everything, you know. And in the same way that Jesus cleansed the temple and removed the sin that was taking place, he can do that for us today. He's concerned with everything about us, not just the sin, but the hurt, the grief, something that's holding us back and stopping that true worship and that relationship with God. And it also reminds me of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, um, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I like the way that this passage, um, in the same way that Jesus cleanses the temple, in 1 Corinthians, we're also, you know, a temple is used to describe, you know, our bodies as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord 
in the same way that he worked through that temple to get rid of all that stuff, he wants to do that to us today, you know. And we do have um, the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus wants us to, to let him to keep working on us, you know, keep, keep plugging away at all those things. You know, we are not yet perfect and he wants to keep, um, he wants us to keep coming to him and allowing him to work through us. So after this, um, this cleansing of the temple, um, we then go back to the fig tree. As I said, it's a, bit, a little bit choppy. I'm just going to have some water, sorry. So we go back to the lesson of the withered fig tree. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. So the fig tree that we saw at the start of the chapter with leaves but no fruit has now died. Here, Jesus is saying, just like this fig tree with an outward appearance showing that it's good, but inside it's not too good, us too, we are like that and we too will wither, wither away. There is a strong focus in this passage about having faith in God. The Lord wants us to have faith in Jesus, to believe that if we have him and we come to him, that we too will not die like the fig tree. The Lord wants us to put him first in everything that we do. He gives the example of commanding a mountain to be removed. Now, back then, mountains were commonly... Um, commonly used to represent difficulties, struggles. So if there is a mountain in the way, then there is a difficulty or an obstacle, a challenge that's in the way. So we can look at the mountain as being sin. We can look at the mountain as being hurt, grief, anything that is in the way, in the way of our relationship with God. The Lord wants us to have faith in him that no matter what is going on inside, that he can actually remove that and cleanse us in the same way that he cleansed the temple. And we see the link between the fig tree and the temple. They're, they're similar. They look good from afar, but not so good on the inside. And... In this passage, we also, um, you know, there's a strong emphasis on, on faith, you know, on trusting the Lord and believing and praying for whatever we ask for, that he will do it. And this is, you know, when we pray and we ask for God's will, you know, God will bring that to pass, you know. So it's not praying 
I guess, from the flesh and asking for things that perhaps God does not want for us, but rather for his perfect plan for our lives. And that trusting, um, stepping out in faith and trusting him, no matter what the situation is. When I first became a Christian, some of you know this, um, my mum was really sick. She was very sick uh, mentally to the point where I thought she was not going to snap out of it. Her, her grandfather lived with a mental illness all his life and I was so afraid that the same thing would happen um, with her. And she was so sick um, and this was actually part of my um, how I became a Christian. But she was so unwell and I had that fear inside me that she was just going to be like my grandfather and not snap out of it. And I remember stepping out in faith where, you know, the doctors couldn't do anything. I knew that nobody could help me, um, no family. Um, there was nobody actually here that could help me, you know. And I had to step out in faith and trust God. You know what? I've heard of you and I know of you. But I'm just going to trust my everything that you were going to bring her through and out of this, you know. And so I stepped out in faith and it's like walking on water, you know, where you look at all the odds and you go, you know, there's something wrong here. It's very unlikely that she's just going to stay that way, you know. But stepping out in faith is just having that trust and that not doubting God that he can do whatever it takes, you know, for, for his will, for, for his miracles to come to pass. And just the peace that God gives us when we do that, you know, when we take that step of faith, whether it was when we first became a Christian or whether, you know, whether it's now, stepping out in faith and that peace that the Lord gives us afterwards. And when I think of Jesus cleansing the temp temple and cleansing us, it reminds me of a bit like cleaning the house. You know, nobody likes cleaning the house. And when we clean the house, a week later, it's dirty again. And we've got to go back and clean it again, you know. And the Lord wants us to keep coming to him, to keep coming to him, so that he can continue to renew us and cleanse us and bring us into that place of true worship where he wants us to be. Remove the mountains, remove the, the challenges that we're facing each day. All right, so just about done here. Um, I'm actually going to summarise the rest because I think I'm running out of time got the timer on the back and it's in red which means I'm starting to panic but basically but basically um, you know towards the end of that chapter um, the Lord also says that um, forgiveness is important and to make sure that in our hearts we don't have anything bitter against anybody that we have that forgiveness um, that forgiving heart towards others so that he too can forgive us. And I feel like this can also be like a mountain, a challenge for some of us, you know, um, where, you know what, sometimes 
well, not sometimes, but we can't actually do things in our own strength. We need the Lord to help us. And sometimes, you know, we might have that, that area that nobody can actually see, but we have that bitterness or that unforgiveness about something, you know, but the Lord is concerned about that. And he says, you know, you need um, to have to have a heart that, that has forgiven others so that I too can forgive you. And coming to Jesus and asking Jesus to remove that mountain is also something um, that he wants us to do. And this whole, cha- this whole chapter is about Jesus' authority. We see his authority. We see that he commands the disciples to do something and they do it. And at the end of the chapter, um, the disciples actually start questioning Jesus and going, oh, but what if, you know, you know what, if, what if somebody says to us, you know, um, uh, sorry, he's actually asking them, um, you know, by what authority, you know, are these things happening, you know? And Jesus is actually, at, at the end of this chapter, when the disciples are questioning and, you know, they're starting to doubt, Jesus is saying to us, you know, don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in those, those questions, you know. Don't get caught up in doubt, you know. He wants us to have that faith in him. Keep focused on him, you know. The disciples are asking, what if people start asking us questions? You know, the Lord doesn't want us to get caught up in the world and get caught up in what other people might be asking or doubting. He wants us to remain focused on him. If I could um, get the music team back up, please. So we learn about Jesus' authority throughout this chapter. And we learn that Jesus has given us the same authority to carry out God's will, to stand against the enemy. He wants us to continue to come to him so that he can restore us for his will. The Lord does not want us to have a false outwardly appearance like the fig tree He doesn't want us to pretend that we are something that we are not. Just like the temple, the Lord is concerned about all areas in our life. He wants to cleanse us and restore us. Having a relationship with Jesus is not a destination. It is a journey. The Lord wants us to keep coming to him, asking him to remove those mountains and obstacles that we might have so that he can cleanse us just like he did with the temple. And in the same way that Jesus chose the cult, an imperfect cult, he wants to choose us. He chooses us. We too are imperfect. We too are broken. And we need Jesus And it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for a day, a week, or years. The Lord wants us to go deeper. He wants us to have that true heart of worship where we can surrender all to him, just like the disciples lay down their clothes to prepare the way for Jesus. He wants us to lay down our hearts. 
I love that we don't have to go to a temple to worship the Lord, that we can worship the Lord wherever we are, whenever we like. And the Lord wants us to stay focused on Him so that He can restore us and He can cleanse us. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you, Father. For laying down your life for us. I thank you that we can come to you at any time. We don't have to go to a temple to worship you, Lord. We can worship you all day, every day. And Father, I thank you that you want to cleanse us, that you want to help us remove those mountains, remove the sin, remove the hurt, remove the grief, remove any chains that are holding us back from getting closer to you. Maybe this is you. Maybe there's that one room that you have that you can't seem to to let go. The Lord wants you to know that you cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it in your own strength. But you need Him. You can ask the Lord to change your heart, to, to remove whatever it is, whatever that mountain or obstacle is, He can do that. And He can do it for everything. Our Father wants to restore us and make us whole. He wants to bring us to a place of true worship where we don't let these things get in our way. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't experienced His presence, His Holy Spirit. Perhaps this is new. And you would like to to say, you know what, today's my day. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to lay down my heart for him. I'm going to give him my mountains. I'm going to give him my life. If you want to make that commitment, you can raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that everybody in this room, Lord, may be encouraged, Father, 
to not be distracted by the world, to not be distracted by questions and doubt. But Father, that everybody here may place their trust and faith in you, Lord. Father, that we may continue coming to you, Lord, bringing you our dilemmas, bringing you our struggles, bringing you our problems, Father, for you to continue to cleanse us and restore us and turn us into the people that you have destined us to be. And Father, I pray that as we finish up this morning, that it may not end now, Lord, but that this may be the beginning, that, Father, tomorrow, the next day, that we go out into the world, Father, that we may remember to keep coming to you, Father, to keep checking in. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.